I see your face, oh God. And with the sunrise, so does my heart. Just like the sun gives light to see, so does your word light my path for me. Lord, in the morning, I'll draw nigh to you, and you'll draw nigh to me. Give you my first fruits, Lord, the best of me. Today I seek your face, early I seek your face, oh God. And with the sunrise, so does my heart. Just like the sun gives light to see, so does your word.
Set aside his robe and put on an apron. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his apron. I want to talk for a few minutes from the subject service. Service. In the morning worship, we began our Lenten sermon series under the general theme, the upper room. Our intention is to look at the words of Jesus and the activities that took place in the upper room on the night before he was crucified. We said this morning that most of these messages will come from John's gospel account because John gives us details about this moment that the synoptic gospel accounts do not include. And we started with a look at the rebellion of Judas. For the first thing that the writer reveals to us is that the devil had Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, firmly in his grip all set for the betrayal. Well, in this worship, we want to move to what Jesus exhibits just after Judas' rebellion is recorded. And what we see from Jesus is service. The hymn writer has told us that to serve the present age, my calling to fulfill, Oh, may it all my powers engage to do the master's will. Well, if you're going to serve the present age, you need to ask yourself the question, what does the present age contain? In our communities, the present age contains debilitating poverty, underfunded public schools, substance abuse, scant employment opportunities, inadequate access to medical treatment, food deserts, crime, and violence. We have 
a responsibility in the name of Jesus to seek to use methods by which the message of Jesus is made meaningful. And if we're not serious about that, then we can't really expect things to get better. Let's be clear. We're not going to be able to win everybody. But we won't win anybody until we exhaust every opportunity to put the gospel to work. In this text, we see Jesus providing for us a living picture of what his will is for our lives. Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room on the night before his crucifixion. The shadow of the cross is looming large. And as Jesus recognizes that the time of his suffering is drawing near, he decides to do something with his disciples to help them understand the full extent and purpose of his ministry. In the upper room, Jesus took off his robe, wrapped a towel around himself, filled a basin with water, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Foot washing was common in those days because there were few paved roads in Palestine, mostly just dirt trails. And so it was common that when guests came into a house that the servant of the house would bring a basin of water and wash the dust-covered feet of the guests. But in this case, we see Jesus, the guest of honor, putting himself in the role of the servant, going from person to person, washing the feet of his disciples. What's the message that Jesus is trying to convey to his disciples and to us? The message is about service. Jesus was showing his disciples that if we really want to make a difference. If we're really going to make the gospel relevant and meaningful in the lives of people, then we've got to come down from our places of honor and we've got to be willing to wash feet. Consider six motives in this passage that pressed upon Jesus and led him to do this. First of all, there was the pressure of time. John says that Jesus knew that the time had come, that the hour was short, that it would not be long before he would be taken away and his suffering for our sin would begin. And pressured by the constraints of time, Jesus is moved to do a radical thing in order to model for his disciples the extent to which they must be willing to go in order to serve. And my brothers and sisters, we have to be motivated by the constraints 
of time. Time is a precious but fleeting commodity. And time is the equivalent of opportunity. The more time we let slip by before we seek to serve, the more opportunities we miss to make a difference for Jesus in the lives of people. Here's something you need to recognize. You ain't got as much time as you think you do. You're on your way somewhere. And you don't know when you're going to have to try the realities of another world. So you ought to do the best that you can with the time that you have. Pressured by the constraint of time, Jesus was moved to wash the disciples' feet. And then more than a time constraint, Jesus was moved by an overwhelming sense of love. John says that when he did this, he did it to show his disciples the extent of his love. Within 12 hours, Jesus would be hanging on a cross. Later in this discourse, Jesus would say to his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that he be willing to lay down his life for his friends. But before he dies for his friends, Jesus models service to his friends. His love is so great that there was nothing he would not do for them. He washed their feet to show how great his love was for them. The love of Jesus, the love that he had for his disciples is the love that we ought to have for one another. He thought not of himself, but of us. Nothing we do or fail to do will stop him from loving us to the end. And if Jesus could wash feet, what does that say about you and me that we're not willing to love folk enough to wash feet? Then a third thing Jesus understood was that service is a means of overcoming and defeating Satan's dark forces. Jesus knew that in the invisible kingdom that surrounds us, there are powers of darkness working against us. Jesus spent his entire ministry in battle with Satan. And just like Satan was active in the time of Jesus, Satan is active with us today. Drugs and alcohol abuse, crime and violence and poverty, these are not just symptoms of a sick society, but these are tools of the devil to wreak havoc in the lives of people. Paul reminds us our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And service helps us to overcome and defeat Satan. When you choose to serve, 
when you choose to reach out to meet needs in the name of Jesus, you are resisting the devil and you are staking your claim on this community and those who dwell therein. And the scripture tells us if you resist the devil, he will flee. If you tell the devil that you are God's possession and that your brother and your sister is God's possession, which he cannot have, then Satan becomes what he is, a defeated foe. Then a fourth thing that you need to see here is Jesus wanted to show us how to use divine authority. John says that, that Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hands. Jesus knew that despite appearances, he was in charge of what was about to happen. But authority is no good unless you know how to use it. You know, there are a whole lot of folk today who want authority. Amen. But they fail to recognize that a commitment to service must accompany authority in order to make it relevant. What the Father placed in the hands of Jesus, Jesus in turn placed into our hands. You and I have been authorized to speak in his name. You and I have been authorized to confront in his name. You and I have been authorized to uplift in his name. But none of that carries any weight at all unless you're willing to serve in his name. Because he said, the Son of Man did not come into the world to be served, but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for many. Peter acted in that authority and told a lame man to take up his bed and walk. Paul acted in that authority and cast out demons. Philip acted in that authority and led an Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. And the same authority they had, you and I had. And the best use of the authority that Jesus has given to us is when we use it to serve those who are in need. Then a fifth reason why Jesus did this was because he wanted to show us that he knew who he was. John says he knew he had come from God. He knew he was returning to God. Jesus had a deep sense of his own identity. And because he was secure in who he was and what he had come to do, he ain't have no problem washing feet. Church, part of our problem in serving is that we are insecure folk. We don't know who we are. We don't know who we belong to. When you know who you are, and when you know whose you are, you ain't got no problem serving folk. So in case you don't know who you are, let me tell you who you are. You are an heir of salvation. You have been purchased by God. You are born of his spirit, and you are washed in his blood. And when you know who you are, 
when you know that you are in Christ, when you know that he is in control, then you ain't got no problem serving in the way that he told us to serve. Well, there's one final thing that I want you to see, and, and, and really, it's the most pragmatic reality of the whole situation. Jesus washed feet because nobody else was willing to do so. Look at the account and, and, and see that someone else should have done this. The owner's servants should have done this. The, the disciples should have done this. Somebody should have done this, but nobody else was willing. Peter got mad about it, but Peter didn't say he was willing to do it. The, the other disciples were confused by what they saw, but none of them jumped up and said, that's all right, Jesus, I'll take care of it. The job needed to be done, and Jesus wasn't going to just sit around and wait and see if anybody else was going to step forward and do it. He decided, I'm going to do it myself. Church, let me ask you, if we don't serve, who will? Corporations and, and business entities don't exist to serve. They exist to make money. And there's not a lot of money in service. There's money in privatizing penitentiaries, but not in serving people in such a way to keep them out of the penitentiary in the first place. There's, there's money in charter schools. But, but not in making public schools the bastions of opportunity that they needed to be. If we don't serve, who will? Even well-meaning politicians and office holders are stifled by the wave of conservative selfishness that counts protecting the wealth of the few as being more important than serving the needs of the many. And so I ask you, if the church doesn't serve, who will? I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you gave them to me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And if the church doesn't do it, then who will? Jesus got up from the table wrapped an apron around himself, grabbed a bucket of water, and went from disciple to disciple, washing their feet. To serve the present age, my calling to fulfill. May it all my powers engage to do the master's will. Choir is going to sing a hymn. Deacons are coming across. Ministers are coming down. Jesus served.
that you came from heaven to earth. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. To show the way from the earth. From the earth to the cross. My debt to pay. My debt to pay from the cross. it again. You came from heaven. You came from heaven to earth. To show the way. To show the way. From the earth. From the earth. To the cross. My debt to pay. My debt to pay. From the cross. From the cross to the grave. He took my place. Let's sing it one more time. You came from heaven to earth. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. To show the way from the earth, from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay. My debt to pay from the cross. From the cross to the grave. He took. 